Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. So praise God. All right, you may be seated. I'd like to introduce Scott Weller. Rachel, stand up too. Um, this is Rachel and this is Scott. Scott and Rachel... Um, Six years ago now, went to the UK and they, sorry, went to the UK and they were pioneering a church in Liverpool called Rope Chapel. And we have been a part of that journey with them for that period of time. And we are so grateful for this couple. You know, they packed up everything. They packed up their little boy at the time and they got in an aeroplane and said, we're going to Liverpool and we'll give it a go. And God's been using them powerfully in the UK. Scott heads up the Bible College side of things. He's also the head of um, church planting in the UK with the Apostolic, which is our counterpart here um, over there. And Rach heads up all the youth um, for the nation and she meets with all the youth leaders and things like that. So they're an extraordinary couple that are doing amazing things in the UK and so why don't we give them a warm welcome as we allow him to come and speak. It's really nice to be here this morning. Uh, We were here last time pre-pandemic, so 2019. I was supposed to come and speak here in May 2020 and then we were all coming back as a family for an Aussie Christmas because we'd missed Aussie Christmases in December 2020, and well, we all know how that went. You guys aren't the same church I was at four years ago. It's very different here. I feel like sometime between I was here last and now, the church was just poured through a sieve. And what's come out is something that's been transformed. It's completely different. And I get this sense, and because I watch you guys on Insta, your photos are next level, like the glow up, the processing, the filters. I can't wait to see how I look after all the editing because this is usually a face for radio, but I know with your photos, I'm getting a glow up today. This is great. But you guys aren't coming off something. You haven't peaked yet. And that's why I think what I have to say this morning is, is really important. Because something is happening here. There's something in the atmosphere. And I'm not talking about that sort of something in the air that's responsible for all these babies and pregnant people I see. I'm talking something of the spiritual. But something is being birthed here and it's not done. And I kind of was thinking in worship, it's kind of like when you're a surfer and you're sitting out at the break and you catch this wave and you ride that all the way to shore. But then all the people that were sitting out of the break saw you catch that wave and they catch the next ones. I think what's happening now hasn't peaked, but it's about what's going to happen after. Because of what you're doing, others are going to catch this and follow after. So I'm really excited, but I'm feeling this strong sense of that. I wanted to share. And um, I'm going to be honest, like when I come back to Australia, it's been a while, been a good four and a bit years, but... Usually, because I'm traveling and I'm trying to see family, I've got a message that I'll bring to the two or three churches um, that I'm visiting. And I did that last Sunday at my mom's church. And I'll do that in a couple of weeks' time at another church. But I wasn't allowed to do that this morning. I felt a real strong sense that you guys needed something different. And it sort of makes sense now from what I was feeling in worship. Though, 
I do got to talk about young adults for a minute here. Because I think that's a great topic. I heard the topic and I was like, heck yes, I want to speak on that topic. I've been married 17 years. I want to tell you all about what I don't know and what I haven't learnt. But I'm a little bit worried. Because Ruth's one of Rachel's mentors. And Ruth keeps insisting, don't worry about that topic. Don't talk about that topic. And I'm like, how bad is our marriage? What does she know from her conversations with Rachel that I don't, that she's like, don't share on that topic. All right. Well, you know what? We're going there tonight. We're going there because Rachel's home with the kids. So I got free reign. Anyway. Uh, things are going really well in Liverpool. We don't, we don't call it a church plan anymore. It got recognised as a church a couple of years ago. That's really exciting. We have a congregation, which is great. We survived COVID. Man, we moved out of a lounge room into a venue. We were excited. Three months later, the pandemic hit. So that was a great two years. But we survived as, as a church plant through COVID. We've got a congregation. We've just taken on... Uh, I say a young bloke, but he's, he's turning 30, but he's young to me. And uh, we've just taken him on. He's training up to be a pastor. The plan in the future would be that he will release us from Liverpool when it's time. That was the agreement when we took him on, is because he's got a heart to see things through in that area. It's not that we don't, but we've been made aware that we have to be elsewhere And so he is going to take it from us when the time is right. And that's a really exciting stage to get to. With the church planting across the movement, when we turned up, we were the first church plant seven years ago. We've worked with the movement to plant 13 across the UK and Europe. So 11 in the UK, two in Europe. And over seven years, we still have 12 of them up and running. So... Uh, I think four out of five church plants fail. That's the stat around the world at the moment. Four out of five, that's a pretty brutal stat. So we're we're, we're on 12 out of 13 succeeding at the moment. So it's going really well. And we've trained 100 leaders with the academy program in the last seven years. That's really important because one of the things about the ACUK is in the next five to 10 years, the leadership is aging out in very fast succession. And so we needed to get training and get training quickly. And so seven of those 100 are already senior pastors of churches, which is really exciting. So that's, that's sort of where we are. But in the time I have left after all of that, I wanted to look at the great, well, I didn't want to look at the great commission this morning. I wanted to speak on the same message I spoke on last week for my own ease. But we're going to look at the great commission this morning. So let me just read it out. It said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." It's a pretty common passage. You've probably all heard it spoken on before. It's called the Great Commission. But it is one of 
the commands that Jesus gave us that are like building blocks to help us understand what it means to be a follower and to follow Jesus. The other great command that is a building block is the one that says, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love others as you love yourself. So you've got these two great building blocks that we're meant to build on. Problem with this one is the way it words, it kind of becomes the, the miss it, missions passage, the missionary verse. Because we read this and it says, go make disciples of all nations. So we immediately go, missions, let's send people to the nations. They're gonna fulfill this commission by going where we can't. That is nothing wrong with that. You sent me to the other side of the world. I appreciate that. You know what I've realised after being back just this last week after four and a half years? I can't think of a fingle, fingles, <laughs> a fingle wingle. <laughs> Too much Dr. Zeus with a three-year-old. But I can't think of a single thing in the UK that's better than what you have and what you get in Australia. Except for maybe the lionesses. <laughs> Yeah, it's coming home. (laughs) But you guys have it good. We didn't go there for a better quality of life, I can tell you that. It's better here in every way imaginable. But this isn't the mission's passage. Because when Jesus spoke it in Jerusalem in that time, you had all nations there. You are a country that has all nations present. You know, I remember when we watched the Matildas France game the night after we arrived, I remember at the end of the game watching these three Aussie women who were commentating about the game. And it was amazing because the first girl had the, the traditional Oka Aussie accent. You know, the one that's like, sounds like dehydration. Someone left out in the sun too long. Give that person water. And then the next girl had the Aussie-Italian accent. Very different, much more dignified. And then the next girl had the Aussie-Greek accent. And I was just watching this and I was remembering like, there's such a diversity in the makeup of who we are as Australians to the point it's affected, like there's not one Aussie accent, there's all these different amalgamated accents that make us who we are. What I'm getting at here is, In your life right now is all nations. We can't outsource this to those we're going to send elsewhere. This is our command, my command, your command. So maybe to understand this is to understand the passage that it's sandwiched between. So the task is to go and make disciples. What's the actions of that task? It goes on to explain that. It says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So first action is we've got to go and baptize people in the Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which means we need to introduce them to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which means you need to know the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Then it goes on to say, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Well, if you're going to teach them, you need to have been taught. If you want them to live it, you need to live it. So the actions help us understand the task in some way. But what really gets me hung up looking at this passage is the word therefore. It says, therefore, go 
and make disciples. Therefore, which means whatever was said before that is the thing that underpins this task, this command. And it's all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if we're going to understand this command, we have to understand what he means when he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Because we, we gloss over that. It's like, it makes sense, right? Tick. But have you ever like tried to wrap your head around the word authority? Like we're all under on a daily basis, lots of different layers of authority. Have you ever tried to wrap your head around what that word actually means? Because authority is something that creates obedience, but it's the kind of obedience that's free of persuasion, argument, and pressure. The important thing to understand about authority is persuasion is not authority. You know the cool thing about authority is? It's a combination of two important things. Two important things. It's the combination of power, which should be obvious, and legitimacy. Without legitimacy, you don't have authority. There has to be legitimacy to that power for it to be authority. There's an example here. Um, we had a few politicians in the UK that had to stand down towards the end of COVID because of their actions. Now, that would be the, the positive way of looking at it, that they had to stand down because of their actions. That's false. They weren't standing down because of their actions because if they could have kept going, they would have. They were standing down because in each time, those actions brought into question the legitimacy of their authority. And if the legitimacy of your authority is brought into question, you can no longer hold that position of authority. It's not about the actions, the decisions or the mistakes. It's about whether they question the legitimacy of the authority. We all come under the government, whether it's federal or state. Well, for the most part, we try to because we have faith in the legitimacy of the election process. We don't live in a dictatorship where power is forced upon us. See, authority without legitimacy is oppression. So, am I, I don't want to labour, but we're getting to the point that legitimacy is the key to authority. So what's the legitimacy for the authority that's being talked about here when it says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me? The legitimacy of that authority is who God is. He's sovereign, he's absolute, he's creator, he's father. But it's being given to Jesus according to he is, who he is. He's the son, he's the fulfillment of the law. He beat the power of sin and death. But that authority can only be used in accordance with his kingdom come, his will be done. This greater narrative of all things being reconciled to God through Jesus. So the legitimacy is on who God is. It's given to Jesus because of who he is, but it's to be exercised according to God's will. We're getting this? All right, I'm just unpacking this for a minute. I know it's not as fun about, I know it's not as fun as joking about my marriage, but we're, we're trying to understand this. This is important. Now, if the legitimacy of this authority is who God is, who Jesus is, then there's a key ingredient that we can't overlook. 
and that's faith. Because by faith, we believe who God is and who Jesus is. So faith is the key ingredient to this legitimacy. This authority is legitimate to us because of where we've put our faith. But it's not legitimate to those of us in our life who don't believe in God because they haven't put their faith in Him. So faith is the key ingredient to the legitimacy of the authority that underpins this command. That was quite a sentence. Faith is there is a God, right? Yeah, this is really important. We believe who God is. We believe who Jesus is. And that through that faith, we find ourselves repenting, freely submitting to who He is. I love talking to the young people in Liverpool because we always say, faith means there is a God. Repentance is the reality that it's not you. It's the life-changing, gut-wrenching reality that you're not God. And that's really important because I've found young adults these days are really happy to be spiritual, really happy to believe in a higher power. They might even use the word God, but they don't want the God of the Bible and they don't want the God of Christianity. And you know why that is? Because the Bible defines the God of Christianity. The God of whatever is defined by you, which means in reality, you're the God of your own existence. Christianity forces you to let go of those reins and come under God that is not defined by you. If you're defining who God is, you're really God. Yeah, if you're picking a bit, a bit from here and a bit from there and a bit from this and I like this and I like, you're just lying to yourself. So because of faith, there is a legitimacy to this authority, Right? Here's where it hurts. This is where I'm leaning into why I felt like I needed to share this with you guys. For this to be real for others, it's gotta be real for you. This has to be real for us. We have to live this. We have to come under this authority. Yeah? Or we are gonna strip it of the legitimacy if we're just giving it lip service or the smallest required action in our week. As a follower of Jesus, you're meant to be an act of imagination of something that is very, very real. So for the world to see this as real, it needs to be real in your life. It has to be real for those who claim to have faith. And I was thinking about that and I was like, you know what? This place is great. I don't think it's very hard to have faith here. This is a great club to belong to. This is a great community to be a part of. The problem is when it's easy and it's good is we can sometimes find ourselves compartmentalizing this. So this is part of our spiritual life. These are our church friends. This is when we go to church. This is when we do church things. And that doesn't gel with the second command, which is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love others as you love yourself. Because you're not meant to have a spiritual life. You're meant to be spiritual. All of your life is meant to come under the fact that you are spiritual. 
So you can't compartmentalize it over here. This is my church friends, church life, spiritual life. This is my faith area. Uh Uh-uh, you are of faith. You are the church. You are spiritual. All other aspects of your life has to come under that for this to be real, for this to be lived. And if it isn't, you are stripping it of its legitimacy and you're standing there wondering why your friends don't wanna come to church or why your friends don't wanna talk about Jesus because to them, you're just arguing opinions, which is head language, because they're not gonna open their heart and change their beliefs because you're not living it and it's not real. You can, with clever words, challenge people, but conviction comes from consistency. The consistency of who you are and the life you live. Now, I don't wanna break our back and burden us with the idea of perfection here. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say we gotta live this, I'm not saying we gotta be perfect. I'm glad we did communion today because communion helps us remember it's not about who we are and what we've done. When we we eat the, I can't remember what you called it, but it was great, cracker or something. When we eat the bread, We're remembering that it was His body that was broken, not us, okay? You weren't broken for this, He was. When we drink the cup, we remember it was His blood that was spilled, not yours. So He was broken, not you. His blood was spilled. When the blood was spilled, it talks about something new. So when we drink that cup, we gotta keep stepping into something new again and again, something new in God, something new in our relationship with Him. What I'm trying to get at is if we're gonna live this, we gotta remember that righteousness is like this big oak tree that we sit under. It's the shade is the grace. The oak tree of righteousness is all about who He is and what He's done. And we've gotta park ourselves under that tree in Him because in Him, we find us. We gotta be in Him. So we gotta understand who God is. This is really important. So we're gonna live this. If this is gonna be real, it's gonna come from an understanding of who God is. Now, God is the Father and He is the Creator. Let's think about this for a second. I've got a daughter. Boy, did she have the meltdown to end all meltdowns when we needed to go out the door to church this morning. All I said was, hey, brush your teeth. We lost the door on the bathroom in my sister's place. Like the door handle was going across the floor. There was screaming. It was like, I gotta get to prayer meeting. But anyway, my wonderful daughter, ever so passionate. She knows me as dad. She doesn't know me as Scott. She knows me as dad. So she knows my love. She knows my consistency. She experiences peace. She experiences comfort. She experiences reassurance, but she knows me as dad. So she couldn't represent me because she doesn't actually know me. Yeah? We can't know God if we just know God as Father. Because when we lead into God as Father, we lead into the love, we lead into the comfort, we lead into the peace. But if we also forget to know Him as Creator, we don't know His will. We don't know His kingdom come, His will be done. We don't know the way that He has for us. So to live this, we have to understand God as Father, but we also have to understand God as Creator. It's really important. And that's why Jesus is such a gift, because Jesus is God 
revealed. So he's going to reveal the Father. He's going to reveal the Creator. And in that revelation, it shifts something in us. See, I said the bread is to remind us that we weren't broken for this. But as we follow, we are going to be broken. Because this authority, when it's real, does call us to shed. It does call us to sacrifice. It does call us to let go. Because it calls us to make God our primary, loyal, our primary loyalty. It's going to strip us of those things we put before Him so that we find ourselves before anything else as child of God. We've gone off track. So that command, love God with all your heart, all your mind and all your soul and love others as you love yourself. That explains it beautifully because it's telling us of this beautiful transaction that happens when we're giving all of who we are, not compartmentalized, all of who we are to Him. It will shift how we relate to the world around us. But more importantly, it does something really unique that I don't think is done very well in this world. It teaches us to love ourselves. When we love Him with everything, before we even get to shift in how we treat the rest of the world, it teaches us to love ourselves. That's so important. You want to shift to the beliefs of those around you? They're going to be shifted by people who love themselves. Because it says from that, love others. We've got to reset our value. We've got to remember that the essence of the gospel is you're worth dying for. And he died for you. That's the value. That's what we're going to talk about a bit tonight. We're going to talk about how our value affects how we approach relationships. It's going to be really fun. So this is not something we can do. This is something we've got to be and become. Now in finishing, I want to just share a couple of stories of how things shifted because it was something we lifted, that we lived When you live this and through faith and because it's real, you add legitimacy to this authority, what you actually do is you create these pockets of kingdom where you actually start to shift the culture of the atmosphere around you. So people come into these pockets that you you exist in and they start to live out kingdom characteristics, whether they catch Jesus or God or not. Because of the way you live this in a real way creates this density and this pocket of kingdom that you've built. And so one of those examples I have of what it means to to have this density and this pocket of kingdom is just before COVID, it was like a week before COVID, we knew we were going to be locked down. Everyone was freaking out. We were having our last dinner together with the, the people in the community before we knew we're in trouble. Now, either I'm finishing too early or I'm finishing too late because people are moving, people in the front row are looking around at each other with stressed faces. (laughs) We're having our last dinner, right? And we've got a couple of international guys in our life who are literally like leaving the UK. They can't think of anything worse than being locked down in the UK. They're going back to America. They're going back to Australia. They're out. All their stuff is still in tubs in my basement four years later. 
You can't just leave it there, guys. But we have this girl who was a barista at a cafe that we invited for dinner a few months before this meal and, and she's got an autoimmune disorder. And she's sharing at the dinner table that she's living with 12 people that aren't taking COVID seriously. And she's terrified that she's gonna die. And one of the boys who's about to go off to America, before I could say anything pastorally, it's not a pastor's night, this is just our community dinner. But before I could say anything, he jumps up and goes, I'm leaving in two days. My, my apartment's paid up till August. I can't get that money back. I don't want that money back. If I drop the keys here tomorrow, can these guys help you move in? You can live there till August. There was something selfless in that moment. It's just this density and this pocket of kingdom that's been created because we're living it, we're re- it's real. We're shifting the culture and the atmosphere and how people interact and behave when they come into that pocket. And so the keys were in our letterbox before we even woke the next morning. We moved her into this great little studio apartment and she was on the phone to Rachel like almost every second day and we got her a Bible and before long, she wanted to start following Jesus. But it was because of this pocket of kingdom. There's been plenty of people that have come to faith through worship and through prayer and and through conversation, but a lot of them, it's from the conviction of the consistency. Because they're a part of a community of people that are just trying to live this out. We're trying for this to be real for who we are and how we live. And at the beginning, that had to be who Rach and I was these crazy couple that sold everything they own to move to the other side of the world to start something from nothing. But if that's who we still are seven years from now, then we've failed. We've got to be a community of people that have caught that and they're running beyond what Rachel and I could do. That's part of the reason why we have to hand it over when it's right to this young guy because he's going to run beyond what we are capable of. You know, my parents came and visited last year. We basically shut down Rachel and I for three months. And everything grew without us. It was like the time where the church was like, thanks for setting the standard. Thanks for setting the example. Thanks for teaching us how to do this. But we're gonna do it beyond you now. And we've been really confused in the last seven months because we're not needed in the same way we used to be needed because people have caught this and ran beyond it. But it's because it was lived, it was tangible, it was real that created the legitimacy of the authority that underpins it all. If this is something you have to do, it will strain you. But if this is about being, you'll find yourself in a God-given sweet spot where it won't be about work and it won't be about effort. It'll be about who you are, where you are in Christ. To live this out, it takes generosity, it takes being present, and it takes consistency. So remember, it's easy to challenge people, but conviction comes from the consistency of who you are. I'm gonna pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that my voice lasted the entirety of the message, Lord. Give it a few more hours tonight, that'd be sweet. Lord, we thank you 
that you are almighty, that you are father, that you are creator, that you are sovereign, that you are absolute. Lord, that your son is who he said he is, Lord. And it's his body that was broken and his blood that was spilled so that we can sit under his oak tree of righteousness and find ourselves in him as children of God, Lord. Let our faith and the way it impacts the whole of who we are put the legitimacy on this authority that we well and truly believe is real because you are real, Lord. Let us not just be disciples, but let us be disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples of all nations. Because at the very end of the passage, Lord, you say, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the day. So we don't do any of this on our own and in our own. We do it in you. So we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.